So, Father, that's our history. But what does it mean to us? Third millennium. There's something tucked away in this teaching that we've got to get. So make it clear. Show us how to respond. Advance your movement on earth. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Before I tell you about the hero in today's rearview mirror story, an amazing character, I need to tell you about a book I read last year. Title of the book, T-T-4-T. T-4-T. Here's the subtitle. A Discipleship Re-Revolution. In the book is a stunning narrative of a nation. The, the uh, two authors refuse to disclose what the nation is. Incredible story. In fact, one of them, to protect his identity, has a pseudonym. The authors are Steve Smith, and here's the pseudonym, Ying Kai. I've read the book. I think the nation is China. I'm not sure. Can't quote me on it. Just some hints. But anyway, it's a story of what's happening in China today through a strategic method of training called T4T, training for trainers. In fact, what's happening over there is the most explosive, I'm telling you the truth, the most explosive church planning movement in modern, in modern Christianity. Let me give you some numbers. In the first 10 years of the movement, and the book book is released halfway through the 10th year, first 10 years, the movement grew from zero to 1.7 million baptized Christians. 10 years, 1.7 million baptized Christians in 150,000 churches. Now, you do the arithmetic, those, those are awfully small churches, probably between 10 to, 10, 10 to 15 in a church. The movement now is growing at a rate of 2,000 groups or churches a month with incredible retention. That means they're hanging on to the disciples that are, that are joining the movement. And I want to quote the authors. Here they are, Steve Smith and Ying Kai. Here's their description of this movement. Today, put the words on the screen for you. Today, the movement might best be described as a sort of super church planning movement. It has become so large that it is impossible to track all that's going on. But it is clear that an entire Asian region, see, that's one of those hints, an entire Asian region has been saturated with the kingdom of God and the ripples of its effect are now touching people, groups in other countries and continents, end quote. The authors boldly compare T4T movement to what God did in the book of Acts. I want to check that out. You and me. Fly through, fly through some evidences, book of Acts. Let's see if, they, if their contention is, is correct. Open your Bible, please, to the book of Acts. Let's take a look. Book of Acts. I'm going to start right off at the beginning. Acts chapter 2. Open your Bible. You don't have a Bible, pull the pew Bible out. Go with your, your electronic device. Acts chapter 2. Everybody knows the story in Acts 2. But we revisit it. We're looking. We're looking for evidence that this T4T is not an aberration, but in fact, God's strategic plan. All right, Acts. Acts chapter 2. I'm going to be in the NIV. Any translation you have, fine by me. Acts chapter 2. Let's pick it up. This is the big day of Pentecost moment. Peter's preaching his heart out. The crowd has gathered. Let's drop down to the end of his preaching. Verse 38. And Peter replied, 
Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, hold on. Hit the pause button right there. Some of you here have not been baptized. You have not been baptized. I want to make an appeal to you right here. Because Peter is clear. You want forgiveness of sins? Forgiveness of sins is linked to baptism. You say, Dwight, that can't be true. It is. If you choose to reject baptism, you're rejecting the one that baptism is, is a symbol of, the Lord Jesus. And when you reject the Lord Jesus, there is no forgiveness. We are only forgiven in Christ. If you've not been baptized yet, at the, at the, in just a few moments, we'll come to the Connect card. There'll be, the, there'll be a box, and I'm going to invite you to put a little check mark there. I want some information on baptism. You're not going to get baptized today. You're not going to get baptized next week. But let the Spirit plant the thought, the longing in your heart to follow Jesus. Two gifts tied to baptism, forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Two dynamite gifts you can't live without. All right? Keep that in mind. So Peter now is saying, look, at the, you be baptized, forgiveness of sins in the name of Christ, the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now pick it up, verse 39. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are afar off. We're afar off in time and distance. For all who are afar off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Verse 40. With many other words, Peter warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Could have preached, could have preached in the third millennium, that line. Verse 41, those who accepted Peter's message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Everybody knows the story. But don't forget the sequel. Here goes the sequel. Verse 42, and they, the new 3,000 new disciples, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Verse 43, and everyone was filled with with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Verse 44, and all the believers were together, had everything in common. They sold their property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. It It was a halcyon day in the birth of the church. Verse 46, and every day, here we go now, here comes the clue. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. And they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, verse 47, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Something's going on here. In fact, grab your study guide. Let's go. Grab your study guide. I want to track Acts. We're going to fly through it just like this. But let's get it down. You can brood on it, brood over it later. But take a look at these, these little vignettes, bum, 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 right through Acts. You didn't get a steady guy, hold your hand up. You've got to have this one. This one's a keeper. Hold your hand up. Our ushers are coming your way up in the balcony as well. Those of you watching on uh, live streaming, we're glad to have you. You know how to get the study guide. It's right there on your website. Just click on to uh, this teaching. Title of, the, title of the teaching. Well, first, the series title is Stories in the Rearview Mirror. Let me put the website up. There we go. Stories in the rearview mirror, title of this teaching, Why I Believe These 70 Small Companies Are Greater Than the Fortune 500. What's up with that? Well, we'll have to find out. But click on there for study guide. You'll have the same study guide. All right? Hold your hand up. Yep, they're coming your way. Keep your hand up. We're going to fly through Acts. Here comes the... Vignette number one in Acts, we just read it, Acts chapter 2, verses 46 and 47, fill it in. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. Remember the T4T movement? That's what's happening, house to house. Breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness 
and simplicity of heart. And the Lord added to the church daily. He adds to the church those who are being saved. In fact, jot this down. They ate together in their homes. Something's going on here. They're eating together. This is not just the family. This is an extended family. They ate together in their homes. And jot down number two. They they evangelized together in their homes. Look, they're eating daily in their homes. And the Lord is daily saving people from those little house churches. So eating and evangelism taking place. Here comes another one. Jot this one down. Acts chapter 5, verse 42. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house. The evidence is really incontrovertible by the time we're through. From house to house, they never stop teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Jot it down. They study the scriptures together in their homes. Keep going. Acts chapter 12, verse 12. Peter went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark. That would be John Mark, where many people had gathered and were doing what? What were they doing? They're praying. Jot this down. They prayed together in their homes. So so what do we have? They ate together. They evangelized together. They studied together. They prayed together. There's more. Acts 20, verse 20, quoting Paul. Paul speaking, you know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but I have taught you publicly and from house to house. Jot it down. They also worshiped together in their houses. Acts makes it absolutely clear that the explosive growth of very early Christianity occurred, just like the T4 team narrative, through the proliferation of small house groups. House groups are springing up. In fact, Paul makes this point in his letters. Let me just run three of these by. Paul's writing, scribbling out a letter, and he makes the point. Romans chapter 16 uh, and 1 Corinthians 1. Paul writing, greet also the church that meets in, a, in Priscilla and Aquila's house. Here's Colossians 4.15. Give my greetings to Nympha and the church in her house. One more. Philemon, verses 1 and 2. To Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker, and the church that meets in your home. Oikos, same, same, same word in the Greek. House. The early church. One last line. The early church that grew by thousands grew by groups. It is not an aberration what's happening in this Asian country. Something, something divine is embedded in this notion of groups gathering. By the way, it was the same way in the early Advent movement. These pioneers, young, not so young, they grew by groups. In fact, take the hero of our rearview mirror story today. We're looking back so that we get an idea. How shall we move forward? His name, Hiram Metzen. When he comes on the scene, he's 37 years old. One year before the great disappointment, October 22, 1844, he's 37 years old. He's a Methodist layman. He's a very successful farmer. Port Gibson, New York, did I mention that? And somehow, he bumps into somebody who knows about this William Miller who is proclaiming the glad tidings that Jesus is coming soon. So Hiram Edson, bless him, he goes, he goes to an evangelistic meeting, shows up, where the message of Jesus' soon coming is presented, and he embraces it hook, line, and sinker. sinker. The, the, the passions, of the, uh, the, passions of, the, of the young pioneers, a passion for the Savior, a passion for his soon coming, a passion for sharing, reaching the lost. He's just, he's, he just turns electric. In fact, the night, the night that he accepts this message, he's on his way home. It's dark. 
upstate New York, down that road, he's suddenly impressed to step into a neighbor's house. He knows the neighbor is woefully sick. He knocks on the door. The house is dark. Somebody comes to the door. He makes his way by candlelight to the bed of the neighbor. And listen to this. I have his words right here. He, he announces to his startled friend, I have come to heal you. I've come to heal you in the name of Christ. And then laying his hands on his neighbor there in the candlelight, Hiram spoke these words, Brother, the Lord Jesus makes you whole. And the man was healed on the spot. The man throws his covers back, drops his legs over the bed. The family wakes up. Everybody's praising God. When you find something or someone that thrills your heart, you know, you know the old adage, you can't keep it to yourself. And Hiram Edson is just, he, he is just ignited now. In fact, he moves up and down those back roads of upstate New York. He's got businessmen for neighbors. He's got farmers for neighbors. He's got friends for neighbors. And everybody he meets, it's Jesus is coming soon. I'm telling you, hey, you got the word? Jesus is coming soon. Yo, have you heard? Jesus is coming soon. In fact, by his own recollection, three to four hundred of his neighbors come to Christ by his moving up and down those roads. Can you believe that? Three to four hundred. And then he starts, and here's why, here's why he's significant for today. He starts these little, uh, they're called cottage meetings. He invites his friends, he invites the neighbors, come on over to our house. Come on over to our house. We're going to have a little Bible study tonight and have some prayer time. He starts cottage meetings that grow and move and grow and move. And so on October 22, 1844, dawns. Hiram says, man, I'm not going to be alone on this day. This is the day Jesus is coming. And he fills his house with Millerites. These are the people that followed William Miller, believing Jesus is coming soon. This is the day. This day. Now, I'm going to let his words take over from here on. Put his words on the screen. We confidently, looking back, We confidently expected to see Jesus Christ and all the holy angels with him and that his voice would call up Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the ancient worthies and near and dear friends which had been torn for us by death. You're going to see mommy, mommy who died. You're going to see daddy in just a few hours. We'll be together again. You can imagine. Our expectations were raised high and thus we looked for our coming Lord until the clock told 12 at midnight. Hey, listen, guys, there is no way, as children of the pioneers that you and I are, <laughs> there is no way for us to emotionally grasp, to possibly comprehend the devastating, the devastating disappointment when that 12th toll, and now it's October 23. It's beyond us. I suppose, look, I suppose it would be, the grief would be something akin to the death of a loved one. I mean, you think about it. They've shut their businesses. They've walked away. The crops are still in the field. They've told everybody they meet, you've got to get ready. You've got to get ready. They're pleading with people. You, you only have a few days left. Come to Jesus now. And when the day ends and there is no Jesus in the sky, just the echo of the twelfth dong. Hiram Edson, more than any other of the pioneers of this movement, captured the heart-breaking ache. I'll put his words on the screen. You heard him speaking just a moment ago. Put the words on the screen. Our fondest hopes, and you have this in your study guide, keep this one. Our fondest hopes and expectations were blasted. Hey, look, can I, can I, can I just... 
hit the pause button here. How, how earnest are you about Jesus coming soon? I mean, is it a big deal to you? Do you think about it every day? When you wake up in the day and you move through the day, do you say, wow, Jesus, when are you coming? I read this fiery passion and I'm saying, man, Dwight. Our fondest hopes and expectations were blasted and such a spirit of weeping came over us as I never experienced before. It seemed that the loss of all earthly friends could have been no comparison. This is, the, this is one of the immortal lines out of that disappointment. We wept and wept till the day dawn. We sobbed all night. All night. I mused in my own heart, saying, my Advent, my Advent experience has been the richest and brightest of all my Christian experience. If this has proved a failure, what was the rest of my Christian experience worth? Has the Bible proved a failure? Is there no God, no heaven, no golden city, no paradise? Is all this but a cunningly devised fable? Is there no reality to our fondest hopes and expectation of these things? And thus we had something to grieve and weep over if all our fondest hopes were lost. And as I said, we wept till the day dawn. End quote. Heartbroken. One by one, those who had gathered in such great expectation. One by one, they went home to their desolate houses after midnight. Finally, Hiram turns to those who were left, there a handful left, and he said, Hey, listen, let's go, out, let's, let's go out to the barn and let's pray together. So through the darkness, they make their way to the barn. And that small band of prayers poured out their anguish to God. And listen to this. Sometime during the midnight hours, sometime during that midnight, Edson later writes, the witness of the Spirit was given that our prayer was accepted and that light should be given. Our disappointment explained and made clear and satisfactory, end quote. It's morning now. The rooster is cock-a-doodle-doodling into the gathering light. As the people leave, Hiram turns to one of his friends. He says, you know what? We need to go visit. It's October 23. Let's go visit these. Those hearts are broken like ours. The ones we led to Christ. And so they go, just the two of them. They're cutting across a cornfield. And Edson, bless his heart, Edson is still trying to figure this out. The, the great Bible passages, the Bible promises, just spinning in his mind. He's, he's reviewing them. What about that one? Were we wrong there? What about this? What about that? He's, he's just lost in thought when suddenly, and I'll let him pick up the moment, suddenly in the middle of that crossing, his words on the screen, heaven seemed open to my view. And I saw distinctly and clearly that instead of our high priest coming out of the most holy place of the heavenly sanctuary to come to this earth, that he, for the first time, entered on that day the second apartment of that sanctuary, and that he had a work to perform in the most holy before coming to this earth, end quote. I want to tell you something, ladies and gentlemen, today, on this campus, in the James White Library just across the mall from us, there are shelves of books written by scholars who have taken that, 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 that seminal theme, that, that germ of an understanding, and have amassed books now corroborating that, in fact, that dawning in the mind of this Methodist layman, farmer, is 
gospel truth to the very word embedded in Scripture from the beginning of Scripture. That Daniel 8, 14, it's not about Christ coming back and cleansing the earth. No, no, no. There's a heavenly sanctuary. The book of Hebrews is clear. It's that sanctuary that gets cleansed. And that Daniel 8, 14 prophesies God's strategic end time end game to settle the sin problem once for all in this universe. And then pre-advent judgment and Jesus comes. That little pioneer, humble man, became God's instrument in leading an entire movement that today now embraces the world with the glad tidings. The hour of his judgment is now. We're in it now. And by the way, you know how Hiram did it? He did it through groups. You think about it. Just like T4T, just like Acts, the early pioneer movement is a movement based in groups that began with thousands and now millions, millions on this planet. It's no coincidence. She was 17 uh, at the Great Disappointment, young Ellen Harmon. It's no coincidence that when she receives her call from God, she's in a little group. In fact, these are her words. I'll put them on the screen for you. I was visiting. 17-year-old, 17-year-old teenager. I was visiting Mrs. Haynes at Portland. That would be Portland, Maine. A dear sister in Christ whose heart was knit with mine. Five of us, all women, were kneeling quietly at the family altar. While we were praying, the power of God came upon me as I had never felt it before. End quote. 17. Hey, 17. Your age. 17. And as they say, the rest is history. The history of this movement. Just like T4T, just like Acts. A movement that has grown from thousands to millions with this notion of groups. In fact, when she becomes a writer, Ellen White, she identifies this strategic divine key. I'll put her words on the screen here. The reason for this movement's rapid growth, here it is. The formation of small companies. Yeah, that's little companies, it's just little groups. The formation of small companies as a basis of Christian effort has been presented to me by one who cannot err. No mistake. You almost get the impression that what God did in Acts, what's happening now in this T4T movement, what happened with the, with the, with the early pioneers in this movement, that all of this still is strategic. And God's moved to reach this planet. The formation of small companies as groups as a basis of Christian effort has been presented to me by one who cannot err. Keep reading. If there, is a, if there is a large number in the church, that might be a church like ours, if there's a large number in the church, let the members be formed into small companies to work not only for the church members, but for unbelievers, just like Acts, T4T, just like in the beginning. If, keep reading, if in one place there are only two or three, man, we don't, have, we don't even have a church. If there are only two or three who know the truth, let them form themselves into a band, just a small band of workers. Let them keep their bond of union unbroken, pressing together in love and unity, encouraging one another to advance, each gaining courage and strength from the assistance of the others. That's what happens in a small group. We gather strength and assistance from the others in the circle. T4T, Acts. No wonder she says here, how she put it? One who cannot err devised the strategy. Groups in houses, groups in offices, groups in dorm rooms, groups in classrooms, groups in neighborhoods. One more line. This is appreciate. Here's the last line. You'll need to fill it in. As they work and pray, these groups, as they work and pray in Christ's name, their numbers will, what's the next word? What's the next word? Their numbers will increase. 
the evidence laid out before us, in fact, is asserting. As they meet and pray in Christ's name, their numbers will increase. For the Savior says, this beloved promise, Matthew 18, if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father who is in heaven. End quote. Acts, T for T, early movement, must still be God's strategic plan. Bottom line, here it is. Bottom line, if you want to grow, you have to group. That's just it. This is the take-home. Just take it home. If you want to grow, you have to group. And by the way, that's not, only, that's not only true collectively or corporately. Churches that grow by thousands grow by groups. We understand that. The evidence is clear. You grow by thousands because you're growing by groups. But it's also true personally. In other words, for, for, for you and me spiritually. Timothy Keller, let me share this with you. He's a, he's a great pastor, one of the, one of the hot uh, evangelical writers right now. He pastors Christ Our Redeemer Church in New York City. Keller, in, this, in his book, Prodigal God, some friends loaned me the book. I want to share this line from uh, Keller. We live, boy, is he right here, we live in a culture in which the interests and desires of the individual take precedence over those of the family, group, or community. Isn't that true? We are very individualistic now. Forget the family, the group. Me. But he keeps writing. There, but there is no way. Now I want you to care. There, there, there's no equivocation here. He says there's no, there's, no, there's no room fudge here. There is no way you will be able to grow spiritually apart from a deep involvement in a community of other believers. You can't grow without involvement in a community of other believers. He goes on. You can't live the Christian life without a band of Christian friends. You've got to have some small group, some group that you can draw near to. You can't live the Christian life without a band of Christian friends, without a family of believers in which you find a place. So I'm reading Christianity Today, as it turns out last year, and I come across this, this profound essay by, uh, what's her name, Kenda Creasy Dean. She's professor of youth, church, and culture at Princeton Theological Seminary. These words are in your uh, study guide to keep. She's spot on, isn't she? When, put the, the quote on the screen, please. When nominally religious people experience the church as a community of people who embrace first and preach later. Oh, I like that. We don't start with the preaching. We start with the embracing. Embrazo. I like that. When nominally religious people experience the church as a community of people who embrace first and preach later, who celebrate life in those given up for dead. Now, she's just told, i got to tell you this, she's just told the, the Eutychus story. Remember Eutychus? Remember the young adult sleeping in the window when Paul is preaching in, uh, was it, Troas? And he falls out of the window. You remember that? He falls out of the window and he's dead. She says that's a metaphor for the church today. The young are falling out. We're losing them. Let me start, start over so you get a feel for that. When nominally religious people experience the church as a community of people who embrace first and preach later, if we, can, if, if, we, if we begin in a small band of friends, our journey toward Christ, who celebrate life in those given up for dead, keep reading, who err on the side of grace in matters of doctrine and politics so that no one ever must sit on the margins, we are far less likely to lose people around the edges. You get what she's saying? She's saying to hang on, to hang on to each other. We need groups. This doesn't work. This just does not work. You have to be in small little bands and circles. That's how we hang on. That's how we grow in Christ. Uh, what's this bottom line? If you want to grow, 
You have to group Ellen White, Tim Keller, Book of Acts, T4T. The evidence is compelling. So, ladies and gentlemen, let me just tell you, that's why I, I'm really stoked about this little uh, booklet in your worship bulletin. Reach in your worship bulletin. Humor me and just pull this out, will you? This is a brand new, this is a brand new catalog, brand new menu for a, a new season about to begin in a couple weeks of our grow groups here at Andrews University. One place, they're all getting this today, right now. New Life, they're all getting this today, right now. Pioneer, both services, we're all getting this today, right now. Why? Because this little, this little, yeah, if you didn't get one, hold your hand up. Our friendly uh, usher's coming your way. Yeah, everybody deserves to have this. I'll tell you in a minute where you can find this online as well. But you know what this represents? This represents T4T. These little, these little house groups, this represents the book of Acts. That's the way God operates. These grow groups capture the flavor of God's strategic method from the beginning of Christianity. Take a look at this. I mean, I'm so proud of this. I'm so proud of you who are leaders. I'm looking at I, I seeing new, I'm seeing new names here. Good for you. People who've never led a grow group before, good for you. What's it about? Well, you look. I'm not going to go through this. But I want you to take a, take a careful perusing through, through the catalog. Because there is a group in this catalog that is designed for you. I just know it. The Holy Spirit said, hey, yo, Lone Ranger, you, who always trying to do things on your own. No Lone Rangers go to heaven. You only go in circles of friends. No Lone Rangers go galloping into heaven saying, yo, God, I'm here. Nope, nope, nope. You can't get to heaven as a Lone Ranger. You have to go in a circle, a band of brothers and sisters and friends. That's a story. So take a look. Come on, come on, come on. Isn't this something? Man, I'm so proud. Look at these. Any day of the week, you pick your day. Any time of the day. Look. All here. In fact, let me put, look, let me, let me put the website up because uh, some of you are, are live streaming right now and say, boy, I'd sure like to see this. Well, you may. And, and the rest of you, you can do this on your phone right now. By the way, you can pick your grow group right now. Boom. On the phone, you can, you can register. You see the website, www.pmchurch.org. Don't go to TV. That's where we go. But you go to org forward slash grow group. That's all you do. The same menu, boom, is on your screen. You can go through it. And guess what? You pick your group out, you sign up, and we can read your handwriting when you do it that way. Just like that. You're in the group. What are grow groups about? I'll tell you what the grow groups about. I don't mind. You say, Dwight, which one of these should I? <laughs> you pick. All of them, all of them. Listen, all of them are based on, on some DNA, common DNA. May I run these by you? Because of the, it's the DNA in the book of Acts. If you join a grow group, you will join a circle of new friends. And by the way, they only meet for 10 weeks. And then you're, 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 you go, you're on your way. But if you join a grow group, you join a circle of new friends who share the same interests. Because everybody in that group wants what you want. They want to say, let's get into that. Wisdom through golf. I saw one that's wisdom through golf. Okay, you want to do that? Fine. Everybody has the same interest. Here's the the second DNA. Everybody in that circle will pray together. Yep. Any grow group. They will pray together. Everybody in that circle will study the Bible together. There will be, even in golf, there will be time to study the Word. Everybody, everybody in that circle will party together. I just love that one. Every grow group parties. One night. Social time. Social time. I got to tell you this. So this last, so this last, this last semester, I, I'm leading a grow group. I'm doing one again. But last semester, when we come to our party night, it turns out, it turns out 
that when we're bringing our humble little food together to have a social, it turns out that who comes walking, who comes walking into our grow group dressed in his white smock and his white baker's cap, but the head chef of the Whirlpool Corporation, whose wife was a member of our grow group, with a Bunsen burner and, and glass crystal to serve it on. We ate, I'm not going to tell you her name because you're going to try to get her in your group, but we ate like kings. We ate like royalty. I'm kind of hoping she'll come back to our group. But maybe she'll be in your group. I, I, I'm not going to tell you her name, but I will tell you this. I will tell you this. She's the sister of the chaplain of the United States Senate, Barry Black. She might be sitting by you right now. Don't look. All right. So look at every group, common DNA. We're going to pray together. We're going to study together. We're going to have common interests. We're going to party together. Oh, uh, you will join a circle that will serve together. Every group has a service project. This is not about feeding me and keeping me happy. This is about helping God with the world. Every group will choose it, and you get to choose it. You'll come up with your own service project. We've got some creative stuff happening. But this new season, we're adding a new DNA. Instead of five, it's now six. Instead of five, it's now six. And here's number six. A circle, you will join a circle that will enlarge itself by one empty chair in order to invite some seeker that you know to come and sit in this circle. Because the book, the book of Acts is absolutely clear. It was not only for themselves that they were having these grow groups. They were finding daily they broke bread, and daily through that breaking bread, they were bringing others in. The Lord was adding daily to His kingdom. So every grow group, the elders came up with this idea, and I love it. So we're going to ask all grow groups, there will be an empty chair. And that empty chair is, okay, guys, this is our opening night. Between now and next week, somebody find a friend. Now, who's got a friend? Bring somebody. Maybe bring three friends. Who cares? I love that little piece. So the point is, ladies and gentlemen, these grow groups, that's why I'm so jazzed about this. They reflect exactly what the book of Acts is telling us, what this T4T movement is discovering. That churches that grow by thousands grow by groups. And God will grow His kingdom right here in Michiana through our groups. And those of you watching on television, you, you go talk to your church and you see if you can get your church into this. I'm telling you what, it is God's method. It is His strategic plan. They really have a movement. Hiram Metzen, he did it. Oh, and by the way, let me say this. Students, we got students leaders in here. In fact, I'll tell you this, students. The Board of Elders says we're going to train. And I, I met with them this last week. These mentees, we call them. 20 students who are going to be mentored in this new season. And then next fall, when you come back, next fall, they will be leading their own grow groups. The Board of Elders says we're going to do 20 a year, 20 new students every year. These are not for old fogies. These are for young fogies as well. You need to come. Sign up. In fact, I'll tell you this. Two Sabbaths ago, so I'm at the back of the church. Two Sabbaths ago. Greeting the saints as you leave. Those of you in the back half of the church. And my friend Don Murray comes through. He's been a long-time leader, men's dean for years here at Andrews University. He comes through. Hey, Don, how are you? Bye. See you. Five minutes later, he comes back to the line. I'm thinking, man, I really, it must have been something in the handshake. He just wants it one more time. He says, Dwight, you're not going to believe this. After I came through the line, I walked through a group of students. I say, and he says, they're in their 20s. Black, white kids are all together just yakking away. And as I'm just walking through minding my own business, do you know what they're talking about, Dwight? They are, they, are, they are all excited about grow groups. I said, are you serious? He said, I'm serious. I just heard them. I'm telling you, students, this is for you. One place, new life, 
pioneer. The culture will be changed by groups. The kingdom will be grown by groups. And one day you will be leading a group. You will. And God will advance his cause. Oh boy. If you want to grow, put it on the screen one more time. If you want to grow, you have to group. That's the truth. You got to group. Let me end with Tim Keller. One more quotation. Same book. His words on the screen, you will never be able to get to know Jesus better. That's what he's talking about in that paragraph. You will never be able to get to know Jesus better by yourself. You must be deeply involved in the church and Christian community with strong relationships of love and accountability. Only if you are part of a community of believers seeking to resemble, serve, and love Jesus will you ever get to know him and grow into his likeness. End quote. Hey, can I, can, I, can, I be, can I be honest with you? That's the one desire I have. That's the one desire I have. I want to be more like Jesus. Don't you? Come on, I know it's your desire. I want to be more like Jesus. Guess what? That comes in a band of brothers. That comes with a band of sisters. That comes in a circle of friends. That's how we grow. That's why there were 12 disciples and not one. Because in groups, the kingdom of heaven advances. Be a part of a grow group. Sign up right now, please. Look, grab your connect card. Where is it? Connect card. In your worship bulletin. Pull it out. Connect card. We'll collect these and you're gone. But I want to go through this. Connect card's in your worship bulletin. You find it there. See the ushers? They're ready to already pick up your connect cards. Don't worry. They'll, they'll get your way soon. You didn't get a connect card? Hold your hand up. Because some of you are saying, you know what? I don't want to do it by computer. I want to do it right here. I'm going to give you this connect card and you can do it right here. You can do it just by pen. On the front of the card, and I say this for you guests, we're, we're delighted that you're here. On the front of the card, just your name and an email address. We need your email address to be legible because that's where we'll, do you, we'll, we'll register you right off of your email address. The rest of you, you, got the, uh, you, you have the uh, website. I want to start with the box on the right. The box on the right says, I'm interested in, two boxes down, I'm interested in information on baptism. Some of you just a few moments ago when we were talking about baptism, Holy Spirit said to you, hey boy, I mean you. Girl, I'm talking to you. If God is speaking to your heart and you have not been baptized yet, come on, don't put it off. Like I said before, you're not going to be baptized this, this, this week or this next month. But you can make the decision today. You want forgiveness. You say, no, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I want forgiveness, but I don't want baptism. You can, that, that, that's totally illogical. You only get forgiveness in Christ. And baptism is, gets you into Christ. If you've not made a decision for baptism... I just put a check mark here. We'll be in touch with you. Make sure we have your email address. We'll, we'll, we'll be in touch. God bless you. Okay, so, so what are the next steps? This is the box on the left. My next step today is box number one. I want to grow in Christ as I grow in a group. I want to grow in Christ as I grow in a group. Yeah, we all put a check mark there, perhaps. But here, here, here it is, box number two. Please register me for a new grow group. And here are my first three choices. You've been looking already. Oh, I like that one. Go ahead and put it down. If you put the, the, the code beside the grow group down, you just scribble it down. We'll, uh, we'll register it for you. By the way, I'm going to draw attention to one grow group. In fact, it's offered in three parts. All of these are great groups. Join any of them. There's a new, brand new for the first time, a grow group called Contagious Adventist. 
Contagious Adventists, offered in three sections. One of those sections may work with your schedule. Here's the deal. As we saw last week with the Jay and Andrews statue, as we saw last week, God is really big on equipping us to go. Our little communities go to the world, but to have an intelligent witness, give a reason for our faith. If you would like to be a winsome witness for your faith, these three sections will give you something practical you can do. Ten weeks long, it'll bless you. So I'm putting a little plug for my friends who are, who are uh, doing that. All of these are wonderful groups. You come to House of Prayer, as you have been coming, you can go do two groups because House of Prayer now is going to become a, three giant grow groups. And then you can go, because you're already used to Wednesday evenings, you can pick another evening and become a part of another grow group. The point is just, just jot it down. No Lone Rangers. We go together in our bands. I invite you to make the decision today. Let's pray. Oh, God. So we're thinking about it. I mean, the evidence, Acts and T4T, and then in between the, the movement that has brought us to this moment in time, in every one of those, these grow groups were strategic in your plan. You grew the church, but you grew Christian disciples that way. Father, you have a whole church full, a campus full of disciples, potential disciples ready to be mobilized. Please use these grow groups. Please use these circles of friendship. Just 10 weeks, but use them to grow us into the likeness of Jesus. Because when it's all said and done, that's what we want most. We want to be like our forever friend. So take our choices. Grow us, grow your kingdom for Christ's glory. We pray in his name. Amen.